Well, we want to come around the word. We want to build on what he's done amongst us already with the revelation and the glory of his goodness, his greatness, his majesty, his power. We want to come around the word because it's the word that then equips, enables us to live this out. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says about itself. It says all scripture is given to equip us, to enable us to, to live out this life. And so we're going to come around the word so that we can better harness what God has done amongst us. It's been good what God has done, but now we're going to take it and say, okay, how do we apply this? How do we work this out? And I want you to come with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 17. You know, there's a lot happening in the world at the moment. A lot of things. It, it's, we, we live in a world where um, we're just so touched quickly by what is happening anywhere in the globe. And um, it would be so different living even just, you know, 150 years ago maybe where things would happen on the other side of the world and you wouldn't hear about them for six months, the time it takes for a ship to sail. And um, I, it just, it's just sort of hard for us to even imagine living in a world where we only really know very close what's happening and, and what's around. And, um, and, and I've always been aware, I said, Lord, um, you know, we, we wake up and we're watching live footage of something that's happening on the other side of the world, we're exposed to things. And um, I've always said, Lord, I, I want to be careful. I'm not sure I'm designed to be able to, to process all that. You know, I, I was sort of, you know, that's something that's been added to us. And so, you know, you wake up and there's been a, a, an earthquake in Peru. There's been this over here and, and you sort of bang, bang, bang. And... Um, and sometimes it's like, oh, I'm getting overwhelmed. And the Lord's like, well, you're, you're actually not designed to be sort of carrying all these weights and all this um, information. So we've got to, so I, I just encourage you, be, be wise and be um, guarding how much input. Don't just think because the input is there that I must absorb it. Just because something is available doesn't mean that you should take it. You know what I mean? If you, you go to a buffet... There's a lot of food there. You do not have to eat it all. <laughs> Teenagers, this is a word to you. <laughs> I got it. Actually, when you took, as a parent, when you took kids to buffets, what did you say? Eat, eat, eat. Because you come home and then they look in the fridge and say, oh, food must consume. You've just been to a buffet. Eat all their food. You paid for that. But just because it's there doesn't mean it's good for you to take it all. Is that right? Just because something is there and just because there's thoughts that come doesn't mean we should think on them. Many, many years ago, the um, Kenneth Hagin, great preacher, I lo love his ministry, he had a woman come and say, you know, stop, stop. I want you to pray that I won't get bad thoughts. He's like, oh. 
I could pray it for you. I could pray it for me. He said, but it's one thing to let a bird fly over your head. It's another thing to let it nest in your hair. And he said, you've got to treat thoughts the same way. It's one thing to have a thought come, but then you just move it on. <laughs> Not welcome here. It's another thing to take it, absorb it, and give it a place to, to get root. And so we've got, to be, we've got to guard our minds and our thoughts. We've got to guard our words. It's just part of who we are. And um, so we're living in a world where there's a lot happening. So first thing is, just I, I want to be wary that I'm not just becoming overwhelmed because I'm carrying things that I'm not even designed to carry. But secondly, I also want to be wise and be aware of the times. I want to be alert to what God is doing. I want to be walking with that grace and that insight. Um, and I've been reading the book of Revelation but not because, um, well, the book of Revelation shares that its purpose is to show us things that must take place. It's a revelation of the things that are going to happen, but given in a, in a vision to John who saw things, and, and then he's trying to write down what he sees, and then he's trying to, we've got those things to interpret. There's things that are given... Um, uh, which, which represent other things. And sometimes in the book of Revelation, it will tell you, you know, this represents this. This woman represents Babylon, this, or Babylon represents this. And there's, you know, so it's all lots of stuff happening, visions of dragons, vision of ten-headed creatures, and just lots. I don't know whether you've read Revelation recently, but it's, it's, it's a magnificent revelation, but it's full of a lot of imagery. But I haven't been reading it so that I could interpret what's happening and teach you that. Maybe one time I will. Maybe that'll be something God puts on my heart. And, um, but I'm not there yet. So I won't give you my lack of ignorance. So my ignorance, lack of knowledge. I, I, I want to... That's not why I've been reading Revelation. I've been reading Revelation because I want to know Jesus better. I want to know Jesus better. And in the past, when I've wanted to know Jesus better, I've turned to the Gospels. And I'll just read through a Gospel slowly and just say, Jesus, I want to know you better. So I'll, you know, I've read through the book of John and just taken John or Mark or Luke. Just working through and letting Jesus speak to me. But I've always been aware that those four revelations of the life of Jesus are the four revelations of the life of Jesus on the earth while he walked on the earth, which give us great revelation, which give us great insight. I love the fact that three of them call the, um, are, are three very similar views on the life of Jesus. They have some differences, but they're very similar. And then John comes along and, you know, sort of looks at it from a t totally different perspective. But, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a lot of overlap there. And um, I think I got this story right. We've got people that work in Christian bookstore, family members that in the past have worked in a Christian bookstore, and they um, had someone who bought the, audio, the Bible on CD, returned it because it was faulty because they had messed up the recordings and they got the, they'd repeated the, um, the audio in the first parts of the CD, not realising that Matthew, Mark, and Luke contain very similar material 
they're listening and they're thinking, I've heard this before. <laughs> they've, they've messed up the recording. So I skip forward. Oh, they're repeating it again. So I bring it back. Faulty. You know, and you've got that, you've got to have that grace to sort of explain that not the CD that's faulty. <laughs> Maybe your understanding of, of the New Testament, a little bit faulty. Um, but how wonderful to be given four accounts of Jesus. So that's where I would turn and just, and, and just the real Jesus, the Jesus that is confronting, the Jesus that says things, does things, acts in a way that sort of makes me shudder, and then I've got to get to know him and love him even more because I see who he is. And, and we, we did that. Um, you could, we, we're studying actually um, healing in, our, in Breakthrough Academy, and we're working our way. We've just started working our way through the book of Mark, through the healings. And um, we, we took a, a diversion into Matthew, the two, the two um, blind men who came to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have, have mercy on us. Not blind Bartimaeus. These are two other blind men. And it says, Jesus went home. And they followed him. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have... I'm like, who is, you know, met by blind people and then just walks home? And <laughs> blind, they don't know where you're going. They've got to get... Where's he going? Where's he going? I said, Jesus, I'll tell you how to do it. You stop... You minister to them, you heal them, open their eyes. That's what they're there for. Why do you walk home and make them follow you? That's it's almost... And so I love to be confronted by Jesus, the real Jesus. You know, not try and fix him up, not try and fit him into this era. You know, there are churches and people that try and make him fit to today. Um, I've heard them, I've heard it heard a, a man who, I'm not, not going to call him a pastor, he leads a place that call themselves a church. That's about as good as I can give, <laughs> all right, um, a few years ago. And he quoted and he said, Jesus did this. And I'm like, <laughs> there is no, Jesus, Jesus never said anything like you just said. But he was like, you know, Jesus actually thinks like us today. I'm like, no, 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 no. You and Jesus think differently, and one of you is wrong. <laughs> Who votes for Jesus being wrong? No. no. Sometimes you think different to Jesus. Who votes that Jesus is wrong? <laughs> so I, I love it. I love exploring and getting to know Jesus, the real Jesus, the, 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 un, you know, the Jesus that has not come through the filters, but who he really is and letting that speak to me. But I've always been aware that is the revelation of Jesus on the earth. There is another revelation of Jesus, the current Jesus, the Jesus post-resurrection. And so that's why I was drawn to revelation because I just wanted to get to know him and I wanted to do it through this revelation. And so um, I read the first chapter of Revelation, which it is designed to show you these great and marvelous things. And that's why I say you can read the book of Revelation and get understanding what is to come. That's its purpose. But in the midst of showing what is to come, heaven is opened up and Jesus steps in and Jesus reveals himself and shows himself and John gets a revelation, and then Jesus speaks to seven churches. 
and it reveals the heart and the mind of Jesus, what he wants done on the earth and what he expects of a church. And so I, I go to those regularly as a pastor. I regularly read through the seven churches because that's like Jesus giving us an insight to what he really is looking for. And you never, you never actually... Anyway, I won't get into that. Dangerous, dangerous territory for me at the moment because I'm excited about it. But in the midst of all this, all that is happening, we're shown Jesus. And it's interesting, when he comes to the seven churches... Before he delivers the message, each church, he says, I come to you. And we can see it from Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. He says to the, the angel, the messenger of the church in Ephesus, write this. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. And, this, and then verse 8, to the angel, the messenger of the church in Smyrna, write this. The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, verse 12, to the messenger of the church of Pergamum, write this, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, verse 18, to the a messenger of the church of Thyatira, the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, on and on. Each time he starts by talking about the revelation and where all these images come from, from chapter one when he's revealed to John and the glorious Jesus is revealed, and all these things are then reflected when he comes to the church, which tells me that the, the magnificent Jesus in Revelation chapter 1 is the one that wants to come to the church and reveal himself to the church. And he wants us to see what his purpose is for us as a church in light of his glorious presence and his majestic, almighty power. So as we read through, we got Revelation chapter 1, then we have chapter 4 where they're worshipping in heaven. And um, um, and this is magnificent. Verse, chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside on the back and sealed up with seven seals. So John's like, oh, I just got to know. I've got to know. I've got to know what's happening here. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And John's like, somebody, I must know what's in there. And they said, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. And John says, I began to weep greatly. He was broken. It actually really affected him. That this seal that had all, that all the, what, he, what was needed for mankind was stopped from mankind. Because no one was worthy. And he began to weep because no one was found worthy to open the book. It really affected him. This is John the Apostle sobbing because that seal, he's seen it, he knows it's to be opened, but there's no one that can open it. And then one of the elders says to him, stop weeping, behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome, so he's able to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing. And he's, uh, his eyes, and there's a lamb representing Jesus. And um, the amazing thing, all this revelation, this amazing revelation that John is getting, it's given to John, who 
was one of the 12 apostles, the 12 close followers of Jesus when he was on the earth. And he was referred to as with his title, the one that Jesus loved. He, he was like particularly close. When John, you know, Jesus had followers and then he had the 12 that he called out to be specific followers of him. And then he had three that were closer to him. And of the three, then he had one who was very close to him. And it was John. Can you imagine when Jesus is on the earth, you becoming his closest friend on earth? Just amazing just to think of all those layers. And um, so close. So John knew him. You know, we talk about Jesus, but John was walked with him, talked with him. You know, went through everything. But in chapter 1, when John sees Jesus, it's not in the picture of the Jesus that he walked with. He's not the Jesus that was on the, the boat or the Jesus that was, you know, eating a meal with him or the Jesus that was walking and getting dirty feet and getting tired. Chapter 1 is the most glorious picture of, and John, I, I just, I read it through the eyes of someone who's seen something, and you've got to put into words that which is just hard to explain. Indescribable. We've just been singing. Indescribable. So I love reading John, not like an accurate picture, but like someone who's like, how do you describe the indescribable? How do you describe someone who's glowing so bright? Someone that, you know they're a man, but you, you almost can't tell they're a man from their glory. Whose feet are just, they're not bright, they're beyond bright. You know, we we're talking to our life group about this, and I said, I remember we went up to, um, oh, where's the place near Ballarat? We, Sovereign Hill, where you can go and get gold. We got, we got rich there, little jar. I've caught a little bit of gold. I reckon it's worth about two cents. If I just stayed there long enough, I could have made $4 over seven years. But they did an amazing thing at Sovereign Hill. They had, because um, for those who are not aware, Sovereign Hill is um, a part of our old gold field in the 1850s in Victoria, one of the central places where the gold was discovered. And they've recreated a gold field town. And you can go there and you can pan for gold and you can see a, an old school and all this. One of the things you can do is they go and they show you how they used to melt the gold down and then pour it into the ingots and make it a bar of gold. So they have a bar of gold there and they put it into a very hot furnace. How hot? Just very hot. I don't know. Too hot to put your hand in. You know, really hot. So you put it in and they melt this gold down. And then they bring it out in this giant ladle. They do it all old school. This is, you know, like the guys in big leather aprons and carrying this big thing out. And they pour it in front of you. So I'm about from where the front row is to here. They're pouring gold into this thing. I, I'm saying, I know what John went through. I can't describe to you what it looked like. Because I say it's bright. And you go, yeah, I know what bright is. And I say, but it's brighter than what you think. Unless you've seen it, it's hard to actually imagine it because you think you know bright, but when I saw liquid gold, it took my breath away. It was like liquid light, just 
this most amazing. I'm like, because, you know, they take it out, and I, yeah, 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 and then they start to pour it, and you, <gasps> they, must, they must love it every time they do the demonstration. Everyone thinks, I know what's going to happen. They're going to be pouring gold, but it's, I, I've just, I've got no words. Well, that's what John was seeing when he looked at Jesus' feet. Not as bright, but <laughs> when he looked at his face, bright, it's just, it's just the glory that came out of Jesus. The demonstration of the majesty and the power, and he's trying to, his hair is like white, and his face is like, and his eyes. How do I describe his eyes? Fire! And he says, from his mouth, how can I describe what's coming out of his mouth? He says, a sword. I'm like, a sword? What do you mean? But he's just saying it, it was penetrating, it was, it was real, it was. I remember years ago when I was a teenager and I was at a youth a live camp. We went away to the, um, for a camp. I think it was Easter. They had a, a youth camp. And, you know, I was in a bit of a not a good place with God and I thought I was okay. God thought I wasn't. He was right. And I'm looking and there's people and, they're, and God's touching people and people are falling on the floor and crying and I'm like... And I remember standing there. I can remember actually standing there and saying, oh, God, I thank you that my relationship with you is so deep. I don't need to do all this. How, how blind can you be? You know what I mean? How proud. But I was actually standing there looking down at these people blubbering. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, Lord, I don't need to do all that because you and me got something special deep, deep. Anyway, this pastor gets off the platform, jumps down, he's walking, and he looks at me, and he speaks to me, and I can't remember the words he spoke, but I felt his words cut me in my spirit. It was literally like as he spoke, something went in, cut, something got cut out, and next minute, guess what? I'm lying on the floor, and I'm blubbering, and I've got a hole. Oh, God, I can't believe those hard-hearted people that just stand there and don't... <laughs> But I felt his words. I, it was physical to the spirit. And that's why I'm thinking, okay, I get a little bit maybe of this. He says his words are like penetrating me. The things, they're not just words. They've got substance like a knife, like a sword. His eyes, this majestic God who John knew who'd walked with, was the closest man on earth to Jesus. And it says, John fell down as a dead man. Verse 17, chapter 1, he said, I'm undone. <laughs> he just collapsed. And if, that's, if, if, that, if he does that to John, what would he do to someone like us? And I'm like, Jesus, I have so loved the fact that I know you as a friend. It's one of the most powerful things about the covenant is it brings us into a place of relationship. I love the tenderness and the care that you're, that you're my shepherd and you guide me and lead me. I know your voice and you, you direct me. I love it from Isaiah where you said you, you can nurse a dying wick back to flame. And you, it, you, can, you can deal with a, a broken reed, which means talks of tenderness, 
gentleness. You can come to me when I'm broken, and you can minister to life and bring me back and refresh me. You can be the one that I can pour out my heart to, and you minister back to me. You show yourself to me. But Jesus, I also want to and actually need to see you in your glory and remember who you are when you take the filters off and let the, your glory out. You know, when Jesus went up to the, the mountain with his disciples, it says he was transfigured. He began to shine. You know, when he was on the earth, that's the filtered view. <laughs> when he takes the filters off, he's glorious. Why is that so important? Because, yes, Revelation shows me what the plans are for the end times and for God's plan, which is so good. It's one of the greatest things about reading the book of Revelation is to realize the things that happen on the earth, they're secondary to what's happening in the heavens. God's plans are what's the big picture. And even when things are going all crazy on earth, it's like, yeah, but you're not the ultimate voice. There is a plan. There is a God. And what's happening here on earth also makes sense when I look through the filter of what's happening in the heavens. That's one of the best revelations, is to see things and say, okay, I'm not saying I've got to be able to line up every dot and, and, and say this is happening and this is happening, this country is this and this ruler is this, but I can get the big picture and say, hey, I know who's in charge here. I know what's happening. I know who's overall. And in Revelation chapter 17, we have the situation where we have um, seven heads of a creature who are seven kings and talking about seven nations and seven rulers. And, and again, I'm not going to try and name them or, or, or take guesses as what they could be. And then there's, there's this creature with ten horns, and it says, and they are ten kings. This is Revelation 17, verse 12. And they rise up, and they're given authority. They receive authority as kings. And there's a creature called the beast, which is the tool of the enemy, the tool of Satan, doing its work in the earth. And these ten kings are given authority with the beast for an hour, which means just for, for a short time. And verse 13 says, these have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. In other words, they align themselves up and say, we are going to line ourselves with the beast and what he wants to do, and we will give our resources and our strength and our whatever we are we're lining up. We have one. We are lining up with your purpose. Our purpose becomes your purpose. And they wage war against the lamb. So their role is to say, okay, I'm giving you the beast. Says, the beast says, well, I hate the lamb. Let's fight the lamb. So they rise up against the lamb. And verse 14 says, these will wage war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them. Because... He's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. <laughs> He's the King of all kings. He's the Lord of any lords. He will overcome them. 
It's good to know that when these things are happening and they take their fight to God, God's like, I'm the king of all the kings. I'm the Lord of all the lords, and I will overcome. But it's the next little line that got me. And those who are with him, that's Jesus, who was with the lamb, are called the chosen and the faithful. The kings aligned themselves with the beast, with his purpose and plans. And they rose up against the lamb who overcame them. But it says there were those who were with the lamb. It wasn't just the lamb, it was those with him. I'm with him. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I said, hey, I put up my hand. Amen. I, I choose him. Amen. You know, the 10 kings, they chose the beast. I chose the lamb. I'm with him. <laughs> and he's the winner. <laughs> the one I choose, the king of all kings, lord of all the lords. I'm with him. <laughs> who are you? Uh, it's not who I am, it's who I'm with. <laughs> who are you? Uh, don't worry about me. Look who I'm with. <laughs> I'm with him. I'm with him. And I was looking this up, and let me just I'll bring it up on my. Um, there's a there's a, a Greek scholar um, put puts out a commentary on each of the verses based on the just the the, um, the Greek words, and it's it's a book called Robertson's Word Pictures. I, I enjoy it. I find it very good. He has this note says, uh, this word where it says they with him, those that are with him, he says, it's actually those who are with him shall also overcome. The Greek is sort of the sense of they with him. Hallelujah. All right. Just ignore it. Let's keep going. Um, he says, those with him shall also overcome. They will share in the triumph of the Lamb as they shared in the conflict. So it's not just with him, but with him in the victory over. And um, some of the translations reflect this. Um, let me just find one. Uh, Williams, the Williams translation, they will make war upon the lamb, but the lamb will conquer them, and his chosen, elect, and faithful followers will conquer with him too, because he's the Lord of lords, king of kings. Weymouth translation says, and those who accompany him, called as they are, and chosen and faithful, shall share in the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Passion. I don't think I've got the passion. Does the passion say the same? Okay, Christine, come up here. Those who call out, get called. Uh, okay, the passion translation. Uh, those who are with him will also conquer them. And they are called chosen ones and faithful ones. Hallelujah. 
the Jewish Bible, CJB, says, those who are called, chosen, and faithful overcome along with him. So there's a sense where not just with him, but a part of his overcoming, a part of his victory. This is why it's really good for me not just to have the revelation of Jesus that I see in Matthew or Mark and Luke, which is great revelation, but it's really cool having the revelation of him in chapter 1 of Revelation because I'm with him. (laughs) The one I'm with is not just the Jesus that walked the earth, but it's the glorious, risen King of kings, Lord of lords, almighty God. I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm with him. Who are you? I'm with him. (laughs) I'm with him. (laughs) Wow. You know, when they couldn't find anyone worthy to open a scroll, they found someone. Well, I'm with him. When all the angels falling down glorifying God and Jesus is receiving the glory, I'm with him. This glorious, the one who's got it all controlled. In, In chapter 19, says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful, True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems, or many crowns, or circlets of, 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 of rulership and authority. And his name written upon him, which no one knows except himself. And he's clothed with a robe dipped in blood, which talks about his victorious winning. And his name is called the Word of God. Oh, I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm with the Almighty God. I am with God Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who are you with? I'm with him. Hallelujah. I'm with the almighty God. Hallelujah. 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 When you see everything that's happening in the earth, what do you say? I'm with him. I'm with him. When you see what's happening in your family, what do you say? I'm with him. When you see the battle that's happening over the nation of Australia, what do we say? I'm with him. I'm with him. Now, the first part is, yeah, of course you want to be with the victor. <laughs> That's, that goes without saying, really. But they were the called, they were the elect, the chosen, and they were the faithful. The ten kings aligned themselves with the beast and gave all their resource and whatever they had to fight the lamb. When I say I'm with him, he gets all of me. He gets me. He gets me. All right? I'm with him. I'm part of the battle now. I'm part of the victory he's getting in Australia. I'm part of the victory he's winning in the family. Part of the victory he's winning in your school, in your workplace. I'm with him. Because he's called me, he's chosen me, 
But faithful is the response to those callings, to those, to that election. I'm with him. I'm with him. And to be with him means you become an enemy of the spirit of this age. They rose up, they aligned themselves with the beast, and they made war with the lamb. When you say you're with him, you are aligning yourself with a side. And I'm on his side. I choose his side. But I know who I've chosen. He's riding the white horse, and he's called faithful. I can rely upon him. And he's called true. He's the genuine thing. He's the real God. He's truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm trusting in you, Lord. You are everything to me. Hallelujah. Now you can say it again, I'm with him. But you say it now with more depth and more understanding. I'm with him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm aligning myself with him. Hallelujah. There's a fight for this nation. I'm with him. There's a battle for the souls of your children. I'm with him. Praise God, I'm with the one who has the victory. But I'm with him to enforce and get that victory. I'm with him. I'm not. I'm not on the sidelines waiting to see who wins. Not how it works. I'm with him in the victory. I'm with him. I know he will get the victory. That's the ultimate blessed part. Knowing and connecting with him, because he's the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, he's almighty. I have confidence in the victory. But I've got to align myself and give myself to that victory, become a part of that victory being outworked where I am in my life. Hallelujah. So I see things happening in the earth while I'm with him, which means I pray. And I, and I, and I accept myself for God's will to be done. For the enemy to be pulled down. When I see things happening in Australia, I'm with him, which means I give myself over and I pray and I speak up or I do whatever God tells me to do. I'm with him because I'm with him. Hallelujah. But it's good to know what him is by spending time looking at him through the eyes of John's revelation. So that's one of the reasons I've been reading the book of Revelation because I'm with him and I want to see him in his glory and I want to reflect that glory and we'll maybe share this God leads our role our role as a church here in Bayswater is to be a lampstand where we shine forth his glory in this place because we're with him and our role is to let his glory that magnificent light and glory of who he is be seen 
this region, seen in our streets, seen in our neighborhood. Hallelujah. You know, I had this message on my heart. Caitlin shared it at, um, you know, the, we have a team meeting for you know, all the people that are serving and ministering. And she shared. Oh, it's interesting. Then Caleb said, oh, the songs God put on my heart, they were different because it's all about sort of this exalting Jesus in his glory. He said, I didn't know why. It didn't seem to be the theme that we'd been having, but it just felt really, we're like, I wonder if God had a plan for this meeting. He wanted to show, and then I'd forgotten. I'd, I knew of that, that, that prayer that Jordan, that, that first part, and it was just what we'd seen. Awesome is God, just tying together His things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm with Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's lead us. Let's take a minute to respond to that. Say, I'm with Him. I'm with Him. We're on the side of the victor, but we're not just on his side. We're part of bringing that victory, enforcing that victory. I want us to have opportunity, Caitlin said, to have prayer. In fact, ask Jay to come. And this is for you if it's your first time. It might be here in the room, your first time. It might be online. But this is your chance to actually make a declaration. You know, I sat, I stood there in, in that youth hall feeling so smug and so above it as if, you know, me and God have got this thing, you know. To be honest, we were in a mess. Don't stay and make and say, oh, you know what they're doing? That's for them. That's for the people that really need it. But me, I'm, you know, me and God, we've got a different thing going on. God's like, what? What you want to do is God says, I want you to take your mouth, declare these things, release your spirit and your faith through your words. In fact, it says in Romans, you believe in your heart, but with the confession of your mouth, we come into salvation. We say what is in our heart, we make. So I, I encourage you, sit here or watching whether it's your first time or whether it's a fresh time just from today as jay leads us in this prayer let our words declare we're with him i i just really felt before when a pastor asked me if i'd be willing to get up here and lead this prayer you know there's a there's a real anointing and breakthrough that you know God has called us to do things as a family and not do this thing alone. So in a second, I'm just going to lead us in a, a short prayer that really can be that response to what, what's really been spoken through this whole service, wherever you are. I, I really felt that it's like that, that, that two-edged sword that the pastor was speaking about earlier about that, that came from the mouth. It's like maybe you've been hit by that today in your heart. The presence of God is, is the atmosphere of this room as we're worshiping, as we've been learning about God. It's like, it's like that's hit you. And it's like, you don't really know what to do. Well, this is your response. This is your chance to say, hey, I'm, on, I'm with him. Maybe you're not sure about that, but you want to say, I'm with him. We've been talking all about it. It's like, I'm on his team. I'm on the winning side. 
this is your chance to say, that's me. Yeah. And not, I, I, maybe it's like, you're like, oh, I've done that in the past. I did that a few years ago. I did that 30 years ago. I don't know where you're at, but it's like, oh. But it's sort of been pretty isolated. That aspect of my life is pretty separated from everything else. God's saying, this is a chance to say, hey, let's actually cut that barrier down. And the me and the God part, let's let that absorb every part of our life. Yeah. Let's let the God part absorb everything. Let's not leave that to the Sundays. Let's not leave that to the Bible we leave in our book table at home so everyone knows we're a Christian. Let's let that absorb every aspect of our life. Amen. So I encourage you as we're doing that. But as I said, I, I really feel we're going to leave you on a short, I'm going to leave you on a short prayer, but I, I feel God said, there's an anointing on breakthrough to be family. So I encourage you, wherever you are, could you just go and stand next to someone else? And we're going to close our eyes and as we say this prayer, whether it's for your first time or the thousandth time, but do it with someone. Don't do it with this alone. God never intended this journey to be done alone. God intended us to do this as family, as a, as a people, as a united people. And I, I'm just going to lead us in a short prayer. And I encourage you, wherever you are, just I'll, I'll just say a short phrase. Just follow along. And, but let it be from your heart. Don't just say the words. Let them come out, out of your spirit. Come out of your heart. Come out of your situation. Come out of your journey today. So say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, we come before you today. We come before you today. In this beautiful atmosphere. In this beautiful atmosphere. Of your glory and of your presence. Your glory and your presence. And I surrender all. And I surrender all. I take every crown I hold. I take every crown I hold. Everything that holds value to me. Everything that holds value to me. And I surrender it to you. And I surrender it to you. I trade in my religion. For relationship with you. For relationship with you. I confess with my mouth. I confess with my mouth. And believe in my heart. Believe in my heart. That you are my savior. That you are my savior. And I'm on your team. And I'm on your team. Let every step I take. Let every step I take. Be in step with you. Be in step with you. And let me be on your team. Let me be on your team. And let me say, I'm with him. Let me say, I'm with him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.